Well, good morning, everyone. As Mother Leslie indicated earlier, I am Father DJ Griffin. Um, I'm the guest preacher for this morning, and I'm so pleased to be with y'all here. I've heard so many wonderful things about uh, Resurrection Episcopal Church, and uh, you know, uh, as Job says, now my eye sees you, and I am indeed very glad to see you this morning. Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Brothers and sisters, the call of God is the most unexpected and wonderful thing in the world. I can speak from personal experience as a priest that both of those things are entirely true. The call of God is unexpected in a subjective sense. The person being called, more often than not, never sees it coming. Can you imagine that Peter, Andrew, James, and John went into work that day on the Sea of Galilee expecting Jesus of Nazareth, this rabbi, to come up to them and say, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Even more, do you think that they expected that they would drop everything they were doing in that moment, in the case of James and John, leave their father by himself, and they would indeed get up and go follow this man who had come seemingly out of nowhere. The call of God is unexpected to those whom he calls, but it is also unexpected in terms of who God does choose to call. Think about this. If you were putting together a ministry team, a ministry leadership team in particular, would you choose a set of people who were uneducated? More importantly, would you choose a set of people who had no leadership skills or experience whatsoever? A set of people who had no experience in ministry to even speak of? A set of people who, as far as we can tell, weren't particularly expertly trained in the Holy Scriptures, would you choose such a group of people to be on your ministry leadership team? If you said no, then you're doing the exact opposite of what Jesus did, because that's precisely the kind of people that Peter and Andrew and James and John were. Those are the kinds of people that Jesus called to be on his ministry leadership team to fish for people. God cannot be put in a box. God cannot be bound by our rules. And he does things in ways that we probably wouldn't choose to do, and yet they always seem to turn out to be the right way at the end of the day. I can tell you from personal experience that when, I first, uh, when God first made his call in my life to be a priest known to me when I was a pimply 14-year-old boy in high school, I thought that I was mistaken. I thought that something could be wrong. And yet, as I grew up, God opened doors for me. God made opportunities for me. God brought me to where I am today. God called me, and God made it happen. But lest I make this sermon too autobiographical, let me get to the main point that I want to talk to you all about today, which is that it's not just the apostles 
It's not just priests and deacons, bishops, people who wear funny collars like Mother Leslie and Deacon Jennifer and myself. It is all of us who are baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ who are called, called to ministry and called specifically to be fishers of people. So I want to talk about that today. 1 Peter 2.9 says that God has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. And as I said, that goes for each and every one of us who have been enlightened by the sacrament of baptism. If you, if you were to look in our baptismal service in the Book of Common Prayer, you would see before the washing itself a series of questions that we call the baptismal covenant. One of those questions that is asked of the candidate or else the candidate's parents, if the candidate happens to be too young, goes like this. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? In other words, will you be a fisher for people? Brothers and sisters, that's a call, that's a vocation that's not located in the ordination service of our church. It's located right there in the baptismal service, right there in the thing that we in this room share, our baptism. So we are all called, indeed, to be fishers of people. Now, as I said, the call of God is unexpected, not only in terms of not only in terms of the person receiving it, but in terms, of, in terms of God making that choice in the first place and what God puts upon us. And being a fisher for people can be a daunting enterprise, to say the least. It involves that E word that we Christians, and particularly we Episcopalians, sometimes have difficulty with, evangelism. Evangelism, I think, tends to conjure up images in our heads of those people who go to college campuses and start shouting through their bullhorns about what horrible people everyone around them is. Or they make us think of the guy on the street corner with the sandwich board saying that the world is coming to an end. My friends, there's more to evangelism than just that. Much, 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 much more. Evangelism is nothing more and nothing less than being a fisher for people than proclaiming by word and example the good news of God in Christ. Just speaking from my own experience, I think we're often afraid to do that because we're afraid of looking like those people that, and being seen as intolerant or being seen as offensive or being seen as, as rude. I think we're often afraid of putting people off. Sometimes we just have that classic human fear of rejection sitting at the back of our minds. I want to tell you that if you have that fear and trepidation about talking with other people about your faith, that you're not alone, and that you wouldn't be the first person to take a step back when it comes to God's call. All you have to do is look for people in the Bible to see examples of that. God called Abraham and told Abraham he would make a great nation of him, and Abraham said, no, my wife Sarah and I, we're too old, that's not going to happen. 
God called Moses through the burning bush and said, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses gave a series of excuses. Oh, Lord, I'm not a good speaker. Oh, Lord, I can't do it. Oh, Lord, go pick someone else. Heck, all you have to do is go to the Disney movie Moana. You get toward the end of the movie where she's down in the dump. She's at rock bottom. She's failed. And she tells the ocean, you chose wrong. Choose someone else. Which book, which book of the Bible is Moana in again, remind me? <laughs> Maybe Jonah. That sounds about right. The point is, resisting that call or being reluctant to answer it is a very human response. But I want to point you back to that baptismal service. The question is, will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ And the answer to that and every single question in there is, I will with God's help. I will with God's help. God didn't care about biology when it came to Abraham and Sarah. He made it happen and gave them a son, Isaac. God didn't care about Moses' flaws or his mistakes or the obstacles that would have to be overcome in letting the people of Israel out of Egypt. God made it happen. God said you had only to show up and you will see the wonders of God, and that's exactly what God did. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you, as I said before, that God made things happen in my life, opened opportunities, provided funding, put people in my life that I needed to have there to get me to where I am today. And I'm telling you that if God is calling you, then he will do it for you too. He will make it possible for you to follow that call if only you will let yourself be led. There's an old saying that's somewhat cliche but true. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Jesus didn't care about the qualifications or lack thereof when it came to Peter and Andrew and James and John. He called them and he gave them what they needed to do their jobs, and he gave them the Holy Spirit to be in their hearts, to guide them into all truth, and to give them the words that they needed to say at the right time, and brothers and sisters, he will do that for you too. At the end of the day, talking about our faith isn't hard. It's not about saving the world. It's not even necessarily about saving one's soul. It's about building relationships. It's about planting seeds. As St. Paul says later on, uh, we didn't read it today, but I think we will soon in 1 Corinthians, uh, I planted Apollos, this guy that we mentioned this morning, he watered, but God gave the growth. All you have to do, brothers and sisters, is plant and or water and wait for God to give the growth. That's all that you have to do. It's as simple as inviting someone to church. Remember the example of Philip in the Gospel of John who meets Jesus and then goes to his brother and says, just come and see. Just come and see. It can be as simple as that. But it also helps, I think, to remind ourselves that we're not selling something. We're not selling ourselves. We're not even selling the church, per se, even if we're inviting people to church. No, what we're focused on when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to sharing our faith, when it comes to fishing for people, is bringing people to Jesus. It's being Jesus' friend and brother 
and servant and having him be friend and brother and master to us. That is what it's all about. Everybody needs Jesus. Jesus has something to offer everybody. If you've offered people Jesus, you're offering them something that cannot disappoint them. And yet, perhaps part of the reason that we're worried about sharing our faith is that we feel like we don't even have it all figured out ourselves. I got to tell you, after four years of undergrad, three years of seminary, and roughly three years of ministry experience, I, I don't have it figured out yet. I don't have it all figured out. But maybe that's part of the reason. Let's not even talk about whether God calls us. Does God even love me? Brothers and sisters, that's a question we need to remind ourselves the answer of over and over and over again. And if we remind, if we remind ourselves of the answer to that question, then we will be empowered all the more to share that answer with other people. And the answer to the question of whether God loves us is an unequivocal yes. That's part of the reason that we gather here every Sunday. To hear the word proclaimed, to receive the bread and the wine to have fellowship with our brothers and sisters, we come here to be reminded that God loves us. We come here to be reminded of the truth in 1 John 4.10, in this is love, not that God loved us, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, excuse me, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And of course, that other great Johannine passage that gets held up by a man in a rainbow wig at every football game, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that all who believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. There's not some proposition or some argument that can tell us or anyone we talk to that God will love them. The proof at the end of the day, the living, tangible, historical proof that God loves you and me is Jesus of Nazareth, his life, and in particular his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Brothers and sisters, that life, lived, died, and risen again, changes our lives. They can change the lives of everyone in the world. That's all you need to tell people. That's all people need to hear. So go out, fish for people, and may God make each of us bold. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.